Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck and the Success League. Strike Deck is a customer success automation platform that helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationships. The Strike Deck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. We also offer training programs for CSMs and customer success leaders. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hayer, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. Today, we're going to be talking about a topic I know many of you run into on a regular basis and one that causes problems across all organizations, selling to the wrong customer. <laughs> so to share his perspective on this issue, I'm joined by Manoj Jonah. He's the Vice President of Customer Success at YayPay. Manoj has been with YayPay since they were a very early stage startup, and he has served in a variety of roles, including sales, partnerships, and customer success. As they have grown, he's focused his energy on the customer success function and has seen some of the issues that are caused by customers who aren't a great fit. So Manoj, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kristen, for the opportunity. It's been uh, such a great ride for us at YayPay. We've been incredibly fortunate to have the support of our customers, our investors, and, and everyone at the YayPay team. Uh, as you know, any business that has a sales-driven culture uh, has this amazing opportunity to lay the foundation for a successful customer lifecycle. Uh, I'm very excited to share the things that I've learned and the ways in which businesses can manage the outcome of a customer's journey from the very outset. That's amazing. I'd love to hear a little bit more from you about your background and how you landed in customer success, since this is really your first official customer success role. How did you get here? It's true. This is uh, my first time around in, in customer success. Uh, similar to most people in customer success, <laughs> uh, my journey here was, uh, was not linear. My background is in finance and strategy. I spent uh, quite a number of years working at very large and established companies. And I was ready for a different kind of a challenge uh, for an entrepreneurial role. And I joined Yepay because I loved the idea of using technology to empower back office finance teams. I was a former CPA and I knew that many of my clients back then struggled with collections and, and managing cash, a software product that solves this particular problem sounded like a no-brainer to me. Uh, joining uh, an early stage company uh, requires people to wear many, many hats. That is uh, I'm sure so you, true. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you wear yeah. many hats at, uh, at the Success League and, and I did too. I wore the sales hat, and the partnerships hat, and a customer success hat, uh, was involved in fundraising and operations and the list goes on and uh, you do what needs to be done uh, mm -hmm. to keep the ball rolling at a startup. Uh, we're a different business today. We've raised money. We have specialists heading many of our other functions. Uh, and I've taken uh, uh, the customer success role here, trying to build this function from scratch. Um, very excited that we've made our first two customer success hires and there's more to follow over the course of the year. And 
And what makes this job really enjoyable for me is, uh, uh, is this combination of uh, my background, I, I understand the product, I understand the market, and I love being customer facing. I do enjoy interacting with people and, uh, and I've been fortunate to have the opportunity to do, to do that here at Yepe. That's great. It's awesome to hear about people's background and how they ended up in this field. I think people are coming into customer success from so many different places and so I always like to to hear people's journey into this field. Just so the audience has a little background on your company, can you tell us a bit about Yepe? What what do you guys do and how does customer success fit into your organization? Yeah, so Yepay is an accounts receivables automation platform uh, to all those that are listening that uh, don't have an accounting and, and finance background. Uh, quite simply, what we do is we make collecting money fast, easy, and highly predictive. That is our single objective, and we are really good at this. We're on this exciting journey to make autonomous commerce happen, and customer success is nothing but a natural extension of the sales process. Uh, at Yepay, living by the cult of our customers is one of our core values, and we take it very seriously. Uh, the way it works internally is uh, we pick up when uh, sales signs off, and we strive towards delivering a consistent high-value service to all of our customers. Uh, I would uh, say that we have four primary responsibilities. Uh, first is to implement our software. Second is to train our users and facilitate optimal product usage. Uh, third is to maintain and, and nurture and grow this customer relationship organically. And uh, the fourth uh, responsibility of ours is to promote our customer-centric values internally within EAP and be that champion for our customers uh, internally within all of the other departments. So I love number four. Uh, I'd like to explore that a little bit further. I think that you know, serving as the champion for customers within the company or serving as the champion for customer success within the company is often forgotten as a function of customer success. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you do that? Sure. The, the traditional thinking is that customer success kicks in after uh, a sale is closed. Uh, and in order to deliver uh, what I think is a consistent uh, customer experience, this process needs to start uh, from the very beginning and across all of the business units, including sales and, and billing and accounting and finance, uh, regardless of the business unit, uh, from a customer's perspective, uh, they're dealing with, with Yepay as an entity and most uh, all customers deserve and, uh, and expect a consistent level of service. And uh, as customer success teams, we have this incredible opportunity to share our customer's expectation uh, internally and be champions for, uh, for customers. The way we look at it is that each of our customers is not just a brand or a company. There are uh, people that are using our software uh, and the purpose of our software is to make it easier for folks to do their jobs, perhaps uh, finish work a few hours early and spend more time with their friends and family. And it's important for us that we uh, are able to understand and relate to our customers at a, at a very human level. And uh, we have taken it upon ourselves as a customer success team to make sure that everybody else in the business is also aligned with that. I really love how you guys personalize that. 
you and I have been working together for several months and we've been talking about some of the impacts you're seeing from customers who were signed up really early in your company's life cycle and are maybe now not such a great fit. So it seemed like a really natural topic for us to talk about today on the podcast because I know this is interesting to a lot of people. I'd love to hear why you think this is such an important topic. This is, this is a very critical topic for early stage companies, all companies, but particularly early stage companies, because identifying the right mix of customers will allow you to do a few things. And there are four things that come to my mind. The first is that uh, it allows you to quickly determine what constitutes your minimum sellable product. If you don't know who your right mix of customers are, you'll never be able to figure out what is a product that would meet the goals of that mix of customers. The second thing it allows you to do is define your ideal customer profile. Uh, having the right mix of customers will then let you tease out uh, the, the, the characteristics that uh, make, that are shared by these customers and it allows you to sell effectively. Uh, as, mm -hmm. as a result, you're able to use your time and resources effectively. Again, for an early stage company, those are your biggest assets, time and resources. Right. And the last thing it allows you to do is operationalize and scale repeatable processes uh, because you've narrowed down your scope of who you can sell to and you can get really, really good at selling to that mix of customers. So it's critical for, for early stage companies to, to identify and figure this out as soon as, as, soon as possible. Yeah, I wanna go back a little bit to your ideal customer profile. Um, it seems like the information you're gathering on that and customer success would be really valuable to both your product team and your marketing team. Have you established a kind of a nice cycle for how you feed that information to those two teams at your company? Uh, we do. This is, uh, this is not the task of uh, any one uh, business unit or org within a company. Identifying an ideal customer profile is a collaborative approach for sure. Most early stage companies have to start somewhere and everybody starts mm -hmm. broad. Uh, pretty much anyone under your son is a customer. That's what you want. That's, uh, right. <laughs> that's what you like to say. Yeah. But, but the truth is that, uh, that it, takes, it takes a while for um, your, your, your set of products to, uh, to get to a point where you can sell to anyone under the sun. It is uh, inevitable that you need to start there and then slowly end up refining uh, that list of customers to identify those features and characteristics that you can you can best serve. And to do that, uh, you'd have to pick from some data points. And where are those data points going to come from? They're going to come from uh, your customer success teams that uh, face and deal with customers on a daily basis, understanding why certain things are working for them and why certain things are not. Uh, yeah. It comes from your sales and marketing team that are out there scoping out prospects and, and, and identifying needs. And some collaboration between those two business units is what is going to yield uh, what I think would be a four or five uh, set of questions that uh, your company should use internally to very quickly identify uh, what constitutes an ideal customer profile. Yeah, I think that's great. So I wanna ask, you know, let's go back to kind of the core of what we want to talk about today. What problems does selling to the wrong customer cause? I know it's a really broad question, so let me narrow it down a little bit. Can you tell me how this impacts a company's key metrics? Yeah, selling to the wrong customer uh, just means churn. That's, yeah. uh, that's, that's one way it gets you. 
And uh, for, for early stage companies, uh, churn just doesn't mean lost revenue. That's, that's one thing. What it really does mean is you lose a lot of time and resources that were undoubtedly spent in acquiring that customer and all of those hours that companies put in and trying to salvage a relationship. And so it's not just top line revenue. It's uh, a lot of time and effort and pain and frustration uh, that companies go through to keep that relationship going for as long as possible. Right. And, uh, and that's, that's a problem. And, uh, you know, when I think about this, it's, it's a couple of times that, uh, that we have had to go through this experience and two stories distinctly come to my mind. Uh, oh, great. I'd love to hear them. Tell me your yeah. stories. <laughs> well, the, 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 first, uh, the first story that I can recollect is, uh, is when we had, we had this customer that presented an opportunity for us as a business to enter into a new technical vertical. Uh, they were a fantastic business fit, and I'll tell you why. They had a huge volume of transactions, and if you are in the automation business, that's a good thing for you. Yes. Uh, they were managing collections manually. And oh, that's, perfect. That's great. Yep. <laughs> uh, they didn't blink at our pricing, which is oh, uh, always a great sign. Love that. Yep. And uh, we were excited to get started. Uh, it seemed like uh, they checked all the boxes, right? Yeah, I would think so. Yes. And we learned that we were wrong. And oh. here's why. <laughs> what we glossed over was the fact that uh, this particular prospect customer of ours was using a technology stack that we just weren't ready to integrate with. It was an untested domain for us. Um, we worked out as long and hard as we could to, on the back end, build out the technical components as quickly as we could, and we deployed it, only to realize that our customer wasn't satisfied with it, uh, and they churned. Hmm. In hindsight, what we should have done was we should have signed them up as a beta customer uh, and set expectations correctly, or we should not have signed them up at all. Uh, but we did it because they seemed to fit some of the, 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 the requirements of ours. They were a great business fit, but they were not a great technical fit. And we didn't know that back then. Yeah, that makes sense. So business was a fit, but technology, not so much. Technology was not a fit. So they had the need for an automated solution, uh, but it wasn't a technical fit for us because the product as we had today would not, would not work for them even though okay. there was a business for automation. Yeah, that makes sense. So. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, and we'll be back with the rest of the interview in a minute. Today, I want to share some information about the customer success workshops we offer at the Success League. Each of the classes we teach as a part of our CSM training program is also offered in a two to three hour expanded workshop format. These on-site sessions are designed to provide a rich learning experience for customer success teams and include group discussions, team exercises, and tools that team members can put to use right away. Some of the recent topics we have been addressing through these workshops are engaging executives, uncovering opportunities, building persuasion and negotiation skills, and managing time. If you have a customer success team event coming up, consider adding one of our half or full day workshops to build your group's skills and drive teamwork. I also want to mention a terrific resource from Strike Deck called The Beginner's Guide to Customer Success. This is a 200 page ebook you can download from Amazon, and it includes fantastic tips, articles, and exercises to grow your career in customer success. 
CSMs will find information that helps them get started in the field, and managers will gain tools they can implement to help build the customer success function within their organization. For more information about either the workshops or the ebook, you can visit the successleague.io or strikeduck.com. And now back to our interview. And then there's another story, and this was the exact uh, flip side of the coin. Uh, this customer was a phenomenal technical fit. We knew that we could get them up and running on the platform in no time. Uh, normally, a uh, product like ours that sits on top of an existing technology stack, uh, there's a little bit of an implementation time where uh, you, you hook into your, your customer systems and then you validate it and you make sure the data flows through properly. But for these guys, because they were such a great technology fit, uh, we got, got them up and running in, in a couple of days. And then oh, wow. a few months later, yeah, and a few months later, they just decided to terminate our contract. And uh, we were very surprised. I was, I was shocked and I called them right away. And here's what, here's what I learned from the call. What I was told was that the product was just uh, too much for their needs. They had a part-time resource working on a very low volume of transactions. There was no need for them to uh, use a robust automation tool when their volume of transactions were so few and so minimal that they can manage it manually with Excel and a couple of emails. And, and so, you know, it was a great technical fit, but a very poor business fit. And so from these two experiences, what we learned was we went back to the drawing board in carving out this ideal customer profile. We added a, 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 the fifth question to the list of questions that we have our sales and marketing teams use when they pre-screen and qualify prospects is, are you a business fit, ABC, and are you mm. a technical fit? And with those two put together, we've now gotten a lot closer to identifying what an ideal customer profile is. That's great. And I really appreciate you sharing both of those examples with the audience. I think it's really helpful to hear uh, specific examples of, of how this has been working or not working, I guess in this case, uh, for, for people in real life. I'd also like to hear how selling to the wrong customer can impact other teams inside your company beside customer success. Um, I'm thinking specifically about how this can impact your product team and your support team. Uh, absolutely, this is uh, not not the problem of, uh, of, of one, this is the problem of many. Selling yeah. to customers that aren't a fit has a trickle down impact. Uh, let's, to your point, start with engineering and support. What happens is that it's panic mode for the engineers. Uh, they now need yeah. to go build features or make hot fixes and product changes on the fly. And typically it's on really tight timelines and this throws curveballs to the development process. Uh, I know that most engineering teams like to work in a structured manner. They have their sprints <laughs> and their epics and yes. this just throws a curveball. And so it's tough for them. Uh, yeah. And then it's hard for the sales team too. At the end of the day, it's, it's demoralizing for the sales team as well. I mean, many SaaS businesses today have clawback provisions on commissions when customers churn too early. Um, sales teams are really well-intentioned. They work long and hard. Uh, of course, I did uh, back when I was uh, involved uh, in, in sales. And it's tough to see uh, all the work that you put in uh, for not where the customer just churns. And so... It doesn't help them either. But I think, it, I think the most important um, party that bears the blunt of, 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 of this is the actual customer, right? I mean, when you think about it, uh, they've invested their time and money into a product and a service that 
doesn't work for them. Uh, or worse, because of this, they may see a disruption in their business. Or even worse, because of this, they may lose some customers on their own. And the tough thing is that they were not, they really couldn't influence this uh, process one way or another. And so uh, they feel a blunt of this. And the bottom line is that selling to the wrong customer doesn't, doesn't help any SaaS business in any way or form. It doesn't help sales teams. Uh, there's no top line growth. Your engineering and support team are in panic mode. Uh, it's tough on the actual customer itself. And so to your point, uh, this is, again, not the domain or problem of customer success alone. It affects everybody. Yeah, I, I love that you've included customers in this list of people who are impacted by this because I agree, you know, despite the fact that customer success teams should be customer focused, we often forget that, you know, selling to the wrong people impacts customers too. And so I, I really appreciate you calling that out. Um, I want to touch on something that you touched on very lightly in your last answer. Um, sometimes it can kind of feel to customer success teams like the sales team is sort of quote unquote out to get them and is intentionally selling to customers who are a poor fit. You've been on the sales side of things. Can you explain to the audience why a sales team might sell to a customer who isn't a great fit? Yeah, but happy to happy to talk about that. Uh, given that I've been on uh, on both sides of the yeah. plane, my take is that sales teams are generally well intentioned, uh, and I truly believe that no one wants to go out there and, and get customers that we can't service across the border. I mean, after all, without without customers and without top line revenue, there's really no need for customer success. And so, right. <laughs> uh, I think I think everyone needs to kind of keep that in mind. You know, like I said, to, to repeat, rarely do sales teams find customers knowing full well that it's not going to work out. It doesn't help their cause either. I think right. the, the challenge is when, when, especially for early stage companies, it happens because either the business as a whole has not figured out what the ideal customer profile is, or the sales team may be misinformed about what the ideal customer profile is. And, and here's why... Uh, to, to reiterate, it's important for, for early stage companies to collaborate and figure out and determine what the ideal customer profile is. That's not the domain of the sales team alone. Um, it's hard for any one business unit to figure that out. They need input from, from, from product teams. They definitely need input from customer success teams. And so uh, as a business initiative, if folks all get together and identify very, very clearly what an ideal customer profile is and write down the list of questions that sales teams can ask to qualify customers very specifically, the sooner you can get comprehensive and thorough with that, the better. And it's all about collaboration. So uh, the short answer is no, I don't think sales teams are out there to get you. <laughs> yes, I think you can influence the process. It uh, just requires folks to, to speak up and, and, and identify what that profile is. I, I agree with you. I, I think there is a, a lot of pressure on salespeople too. And I, I, this isn't really something you mentioned, but I know this is in the back of your mind as well. You know, there's a lot of pressure on salespeople to close stuff. They have real numbers that they're held accountable for. And, and sometimes they can can lose sight, I think, of the ideal customer profile and the um, pressure to go get business. And, um, and so I think, you know, there's a, there's a management component here too, where, you know, as, as leaders, it's really important to hold the salespeople and the customer success people accountable for one, collaborating, 
and then two, you know, hold hold the sales team accountable for um, closing good customers versus closing all customers to hit their number. <laughs> and I think there has to be some flexibility on the the commission side too that that helps make that happen. Absolutely. And here's a simple thing that uh, that we do here at Yaypay. Uh, we have a weekly uh, customer success check-in meeting and. In that meeting is the head of product, the head of engineering, mm -hmm. head of sales, and myself. And I, it's a 20-minute meeting. It takes no more than 20 minutes. We run through the list of customers that we have currently uh, that are new customers. And we'll say, I'll spend a few minutes talking about here's why the product is working really well for this customer. And here's why it's not working well for this customer. It's either they were promised X and we are delivering Y or we have a technical mismatch. And so I run through that list. Uh, with the sales team as well. And that initiative is coming from CS. That's not a meeting that uh, is hosted outside of us. And so that's just a weekly 20 minute effort uh, from us to ensure that sales is aligned in the process. Because for the most point, they're out on the, on, the, on the road selling. And so I do think that it is the responsibility of customer success teams to uh, include and involve sales and, and educate them on what they're seeing on the back end. Yeah, I think that's great. Along those lines, let me ask you, what has been your approach to dealing with customers who aren't a great fit? So, you know, this is kind of just what happens when you're in a startup. You are always going to sign up people at the beginning who aren't a great fit. <laughs> so there will be some sub subset of your customers. Hopefully it's not very large. Sometimes it's pretty big who end up not being a great fit. So what do you do to either align them with your solution or send them on their way? Yeah, I can, I can speak to uh, what we do here at Yaypay. A couple of options. Great. Yeah, there's a couple of options. There, the first thing you want to ask yourself is, can I, can I salvage the situation? Is there anything that I can do? Uh, clearly, uh, we've messed up. Can we fix it in a manner that is acceptable to everybody involved? And I say everybody involved because you do have to be mindful of not just your internal teams, but also the customer. Uh, yeah. When I had mentioned that we look at fit from a business perspective and a technical perspective, the first question that we ask is, is this a technical mismatch? And if so, can we buy some time to strengthen our product or uh, make, make some tweaks to it? If that means that our customers have to wait for a little bit, we will almost always offer to extend uh, the customer contract on the back end at no cost. Uh, to buy some time from them. Uh, in some cases, uh, what we've noticed is when we dig in and ask them uh, the why question, why do you want this product or feature? Why do you like this added on? Uh, we may figure out uh, a creative way to, to address the problem with the existing feature set without having to build anything. So uh, just because something appears to be a technical mismatch right off the bat doesn't mean that you have to go ahead and, and build something new We've, in our experience, found ways you can use the platform to address uh, any customer concerns. So uh, clearly the, the, the goal is to ask the why question. Mm -hmm. Now, if it's a business mismatch, right, um, and there's really not much you could do other than to yeah. reevaluate sales messaging so you don't, you don't attract uh, prospects that are similar to that. Clearly, uh, a prospect has signed up for some reason, right? So for example, mm -hmm. Yeah. don't have a high volume of transactions and yet you need an automated solution. There was something in our messaging that made sense to our prospects. So that's on us. Right. And so the action you can take is make sure that you're not sourcing 
um, prospects that are similarly situated, uh, or that your messaging isn't 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 conveying the wrong idea to your prospects. Right. So those are the things you could do to try and fix it. Now, if it's not fixable, the best thing to do is to rip the Band-Aid early. There's uh, simply no point in <laughs> pro prolonging what is the inevitable. Very um, true. <laughs> do, it, do it via phone call or in person. You admit your uh -huh. miscalculation. You apologize and you convey your appreciation for your customer's support and faith in you. It's the right thing to do. Um, in the interest of your customer's time, there's no point in dragging something along and uh, you'll be surprised more often than not customers do understand when you admit that you miscalculated and you uh, make a good faith attempt to, to, to fix it and you say that you can't and I think what doing it this way will keep the door open for a future potential partnership with the customer as opposed to leaving a, a sour taste in, in, uh, with, with anybody. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think, um, you know, the other thing that that leaves it open for is referrals. Um, so, you know, you may not be a technical or a business fit with a particular client, but that doesn't mean that they don't know other people in their field that aren't a good, you know, that might be a better fit for you. And so I, I think that it's always good to leave on a good note if you can and uh, try to preserve the relationship. Also, I think people move around. So, you know, a contact that is not at a company that's a good fit today might be at a company that's a great fit for you tomorrow. <laughs> and so, you know, keeping those relationships open is always a good idea. That's so true. It's very, yeah. very true. Um, so what can you do to prevent bringing on the wrong customers in the first place? You got into this a little bit in your last answer, but is this inevitable when you're in an early stage company or is there some way to ensure that your customers fit with your solution? Yeah, there's really nothing much you can do. It's, uh, it's like taking, taking the subway, right? You're going to catch a cold. Um, <laughs> the reality is... The reality is it's a bit inevitable and, and finding product market fit is a running experiment for any early stage company. It lasts for a while. Yeah. Uh, but with that said, there's some things you could do uh, so that you don't, uh, you don't let this experiment go ahead in an uncontrolled manner. So yeah. <laughs> yes, it's a running experiment, but you can run a controlled experiment. And most companies don't have a customer success function in the beginning. And so uh, this task of finding product market fit is between sales and uh, product and engineering, and, and that's the extent of it. We think that it's all centered around developing this ideal customer profile. And um, as I've mentioned before, it is a, a joint effort. And so here is what you can do to uh, prevent this problem in the first place. The first thing is uh, build some alignment between sales and product teams. Uh, having sales teams having a thorough understanding of the feature set and product capabilities uh, and also the product roadmap helps them to sell reality, which is what the product can do today. <laughs> yep. And also vision appropriately. Uh, they do need to sell both. Right. And, uh, and so it's just simply a question of alignment. And from a practical standpoint, uh, it means that at a minimum, there's a weekly meeting between sales and product teams. So uh, everybody knows what's available today and what's in the pipeline tomorrow from a product perspective. Got it. The second thing you could do is involving uh, engineering and technical resources in the sales process. Uh, if you're unsure while you are selling 
uh, a product or a service and your prospect comes back and starts digging in and asking you questions that you don't quite know the answer for, I think sales team should be empowered to bring in someone from, uh, from engineering or product uh, on the call, even if it's for 10 minutes. And so it does two things. One, it helps you sound intelligent on the phone with your prospect. And the second thing is you get validation and buy-in from product teams on their ability to deliver what the prospect wants. And so right. that's another thing you could do. Uh, also, this is an effort to, uh, to, to develop your ideal customer profile. And the last thing is that as a rule of thumb, it's always better to narrow your focus and go very deep as opposed to uh, a broad and a shallow approach, right? So mm -hmm. it's best to go narrow and deep within a particular industry or a particular vertical or some shared characteristic. Uh, this way you can, again, operationalize and scale. Uh, taking a scattergun approach uh, just doubles complexity and it increases risks for early stage companies. So when you're thinking about attacking a, a market, uh, I think the best way to go uh, and the fastest way to develop this ideal customer profile is to really focus on, on some set of shared characteristics. Okay. So as our listeners are thinking about how they can set up their teams to bring on customers who are a great long-term fit, especially if they're in an earlier stage company. What's your advice to them? Yeah, the advice is simple. If you are an earlier stage company, the uh, sooner you define uh, what is an ideal customer and what that profile means, the better. Uh, if you're a customer success professional, I would encourage, encourage you to make it your goal to proactively help the business with that discovery. Uh, take the initiative, uh, become the facilitator between sales and product. Uh, you can and you should influence the sales process. Uh, and that would, be, uh, that would be my advice. I think that's great. And I think that kind of points to the proactive uh, nature of customer success. I think sometimes it can be really easy to, as customer success professionals, fall into habit of being fairly reactive. Um, both internally and externally. And I think it's really important to be proactive, not only with our customers, but proactively internal in with, within our own organizations and really think about, you know, how can we influence other teams in the organization and help to drive the overall success of the company? Very, very true. It cuts both ways. Uh, yeah. You can be proactive internally as well. Yes. So this is my favorite part. And this is a question I ask all of our guests. Um, and it doesn't have to be what we talked about today. So what do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now and why? Yeah, so uh, as, a, as a technology company, I do believe that in the next few years, customer success teams will adopt technology platforms of their own uh, to streamline the delivery of, uh, of a customer success experience. I think the day where artificial intelligence and machine learning uh, will not only determine, but also automate some of the customer touch points is, is right around the corner. Uh, in other words, uh, where I see this going is that the line between what you typically construe and understand a high touch customer success model and a tech touch customer model, that'll be blurred. Uh, the way we look at a high touch customer model is, is personalized human interaction. Uh, but I do think that with a lot of uh, advancements that we're seeing in tech today that you can't tell what's high touch and what's tech touch anymore. They'll both have the same feel. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I actually just wrote a blog post on this the other day, but I think that 
there's a lot that can be done with um, automation that looks very personal and is very tailored to the customer and meets them where where they are in the customer experience and i think that that's a really amazing tool not because i think that it will actually replace customer success people but because i think that it frees up the team to really focus on the high touch aspects of the engagement with the client that provide a lot of value and so it, it allows a customer success manager to reach more people with the touch points that really matter and are really important to have a human touch. And it, it allows the machines to actually do the behind the scenes stuff that, you know, makes it easier for people to do that. So it's, it's actually um, really interesting to watch the technology in our field right now. So I really appreciate you bringing that up. I think it's a cool trend. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I would, I would rather, uh, if time permits, have our customer success team to go and meet customers in person, you know, grab lunch with them. And if that, and if you're able to do that because you don't have to do something manually, then all power to you. I think, right. I think we are unfortunately moving away from uh, a world where uh, there's, there's not much value associated to that personalized human experience. And so to the extent we could use technology to reduce some of the manual tasks and the love for human in-person interaction, uh, it goes a long way in building uh, lasting relationships. It absolutely does. So Manoj, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today on the podcast. I appreciate your take on this really important topic. I know it's going to resonate with our audience because I know a lot of people run into this issue. And I'm sure that our listeners took away some great tips on how to tackle customer fit today. So thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you for the opportunity. It's uh, such a pleasure to share my experience with, uh, with folks. And I, I look forward to your future podcasts. Thanks. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, please subscribe to Strike Deck Radio on iTunes or SoundCloud. And finally, thanks for listening to this podcast, and we hope you'll join us next time. Mm -hmm.